0: President, this is Arlene. Oh, yeah. Hello, Arlene. That's yeah. Not waking you. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm a night owl. Oh, yeah. Um, what's the deal with that Watergate thing? Do you know anything about it? Oh, no, 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 no. Absolutely nothing. I don't know a thing. No way, Jose. Oh, because I live in the Watergate, and uh, one time, we saw that that Liddy guy mm-hmm. there, and then we saw him at the White House. And now he's going to go to jail. Arlene, uh, is there something I can do for you or your family? No. There must be something you desire. I have to go now. Good night. My sweet prince.
1: We're back. Welcome back back to the show, everybody. My name is Pete. And I'm Scott. And these these are are the movies movies that made us gay. gay.
2: Woo-hoo! Yeah! We
1: did it! I think we did it. We did
2: did it in sync that time. We did it in sync that time, yes.
1: Wonderful. Well, boys and girls, we're back once again. This is
2: episode 12. 12 weeks, wow. Episode 12 of Movies That Made Us Gay. I can't believe we made it this far. A lot of really fun guests that we've had on.
1: Yeah, we've actually had some really great guests. Uh, We don't have a guest today. It's just two of us. it's just us.
2: Uh, It's just like the old days. Just like the old days. Just the two
1: of us uh, doing a show together, Um, which is awesome. Uh, We've got a lot of good show to talk about today.
2: Oh, man. I love this movie. So (laughs) we watched the teen political comedy Dick from 1999, directed by Andrew Fleming, and also written by Andrew Fleming and Cheryl Longin. And Dick, this is a movie, did you grow up on Dick? No. Yes. I loved this movie as like a 14-year-old when it came out. Yeah. So I definitely remember the summer of 99 when this came out. Mm-hmm. This is a very big year for its star, Kirsten Dunst. Drop Dead Gorgeous had just come out. Right. And Dick followed about a month later. And I remember seeing the television ads for this movie and just getting so excited for it. And, of course, it didn't open anywhere near my small town. Right, I had to wait all the way until December when it came out on home video the week before Christmas. And it was released the same day as Drop Dead Gorgeous*. Because I remember Christmas uh, break reserving it from the movie store. Our hometown okay. video store that I later worked at. Which was and called? It was called The Movie Store. Ah, clever name. Clever name. And I remember reserving this and Drop Dead Gorgeous on the same rental. And we got to keep them a day late. Oh, the
1: rentals came out the same day. The not the movies that premiere the same day. No, I said earlier oh. that
2: uh, Dick followed it a month later in August. Sure. Drop Dead Gorgeous came out in July and Dick came out in August of 99. Summer 99. Big summer and the virgin suicides came out 2000. That came out at Sundance 2000. So, so yeah. So like maybe within 6 months of this movie. Mm-hmm. It was a, the late 90s. It was a big Kirsten So Kiki had like 3 movies in a row. Yeah. Wow. She did uh, she she did this, dropped Dead gorgeous and the virgin suicides. The virgin suicides and also Bring It On. Too. Wow. So she had a, a real big late late nineties. And like I said, I rented those two movies together and we mm. got to keep them a day extra because of Christmas. So, oh. yes, I watched these both back to back, uh, during the Christmas break. Yeah. A little background on this movie. Um, it's director Andrew Fleming and it's, and his co-writer, Cheryl Longen wanted to write a movie that lamented on the late seventies. And it was originally conceded as a movie called Beast of Burden, that was its working name, about a single mom raising their kids in the 1970s. And they kept returning to one of the daughters and their friend. This, these were kind of the two characters that they would focus on the most. So they just figured, why not just write a movie that revolves around them? And they were always kicking around the idea of making Watergate a really big part of the movie. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Fleming just thought, wouldn't it be fun if we put... Two teenage girls at the center of all of this and just make them Deep Throat. Deep Throat, of course, was the notorious source for Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein, who are in the movie, Dick, and just make them the source. Woodward
1: and Bernstein in this movie are Mm -hmm. played as buffoons by uh, Will Ferrell and Bruce McCullough. Um, This movie is full of Kids in the Hall, Saturday Mm -hmm. Night Live... Uh, alums, and um, it's just full of comedians, really great comedians from the late '90s. And it's two stars, Michelle Williams and Kirsten Dunst, are so funny, so it. funny in this movie. It's really, it's it's
2: it's it's extremely well done. And what's and super s- clever about it higher. is that if you know a little bit about the background of Watergate, they put. Everything in this movie. Uh-huh. Every single little Watergate plot point they reference in this movie. Sure. There is reference to the creep list, the Watergate break-in, the plumbers who were uh, the task force in the Nixon administration that would try to kind of put a stop to all of the leaks. That's in the movie, sure. too. Uh,
1: Betsy and Arlene uh, putting duct tape on the lock mm-hmm. in the Watergate uh Garage that was also that's what alerted the guard at the Watergate mm-hmm. to call the cops. Right? Was the yeah. duct tape on the lock? Yeah. So they wrote in all these little things, but they gave excuses for these two fifteen-year-olds to uh, to plant all of these little bits of the Watergate, you know, puzzle. And um, it's really interesting the way that they did that. Yeah,
2: and. Andrew Fleming said that his idea was to make an All the President's Men cross with a Haley Mills movie from the 60s. Sure. Too. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Definitely. So, uh, and also just kind of a movie focusing on the 70s. Because the 70s, it's a very weird and specific time in America mm-hmm. that was very transitional. Uh huh. Too. It was kind of a, it was a time uh, of like political unrest a time of also excess to and culture also a very dark period in the 1970s. They, they call it the satanic seventies too. <laughs> just kind of weird. There were serial killers running about. There was crazy rock music and then disco music followed mm-hmm. kind of sexual revolution to the women's rights. And it was just all this weird melting pot of the 1970s.
1: And the fashion was amazing. Mm mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, I just feel like the fashion in the 1970s is crazy because you saw normal, like, straight-laced business people wearing plaid and floral print. And very thick ties. To work. Like, what the, what the hell? Like, I don't understand how just regular old, uh, straight businessmen were just like, yes, this plaid sports coat is, uh, appropriate for, for my office job. Um... Yeah, but that's that was very very specific to that weird time frame and and just the, the
2: the America's state of mind. Everybody was just kind of cuckoo at that point. Yeah, and I was also reading that the wardrobe in this movie, they found the costume designer found all of these seventies clothes untouched in a warehouse in Denver, and they used them in the movie. So Kirsten and Michelle are actually wearing vintage clothes that were unworn in the 70s, too. Yeah, because all their clothes, mm-hmm. th- theirs specifically...
1: But yeah, everyone else is very um, is very period-specific. I thought that the wardrobe was... There were some really good choices with the two of them. and um, uh, Michelle Williams' character's name is Arlene. And I just love that name,
2: Arlene. It's Betsy just, and Arlene are very old names that you never hear anymore. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, Betsy is just like... Elizabeth but uh, you just never hear anybody named Elizabeth being called that but um, yeah Arlene that's a very like that's kind of a lost name but she has uh, she's wearing a top at one point and says Arlene on it it's a plot point in the movie someone says "Oh, it's nice to meet you Arlene she's like how did you know my name he's like it's embroidered on your blouse and she just says Arlene like right there on on her shoulder it's just so cute but um These characters are amazing.
2: When they're first introduced and they're writing the letter to Bobby Sherman. Yeah. The contest for Bobby Sherman and uh, there's Kiki at that typewriter. Yeah. Uh, I have to have some time to review my letters. I love that scene. (laughs) She's just – she's
1: using whiteout Uh, right on Mm -hmm. this typewriter. and She doesn't give it enough time to dry and she just smudges right on the whiteout, which is called back later on in the movie when she says – uh, the she typed out the transcript of one of the Watergate tapes to give to Woodward and Bernstein, and she says thirty words a minute. I pass typing, <laughs> which I think is a funny. I think is a, in itself is a joke because thirty words a minute's not that fast. Um, I think forty words a minute now is kind of like acceptable uh, f- to get a typing certificate. And I did like a quick like online test, and I was like sixty or something like forties really easy. So thirty words a minute I think was just like all right, she just barely she passed, just passed the C by the skin of her teeth, this typing class in high school. Um okay, so you really what you really enjoyed this movie when it came out. Yes, it came out on home video. It. You rented it, watched it over and over again. What is it about this type of movie? I mean it's funny. So that right off the bat is just, like, I mean, yeah, I can, all I saw in those
2: ads were Michelle Williams from Dawson's Creek sure. and Halloween H2O and Kirsten Dunst from like Interview with the Vampire. From everything. And yeah. from everything. Yeah. And, and you I were like, i Nixon administration, I'm in. And it's so <laughs> weird that this is like a political satire and it's sold to like 16 year old girls. Yeah. And yeah, I'll give you a hint. It didn't do that well at the box No, it
1: didn't too. do that well. That's why I, I didn't see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. I really don't think I saw it. We were having this conversation the other day. I don't remember if I just was like, I'm going to watch this movie, um, or if you introduced me to it. I don't remember if the first time I watched it was with you, or if I just was like, yeah, I, don't I don't know, know I'm going to watch it. I have uh, a funny story that a friend of mine tells. Um... I won't say his name. But it's funny. It's not that bad of a story, but he rented it at Blockbuster and it was late. And his mom went to go to Blockbuster and they're like, "You have a late charge." And she was like, "For what?" And they looked it up and they said, "Dick, you have a late charge for <laughs> and Dick." She was like, "Why?" <laughs> I'll DM you if you want to know who, which friend. Of I mine bet was. that happened a lot with this. Uh, <laughs> um, speaking of Michelle Williams and H Two O, this. Uh, we were just praising how authentic and period the costuming was, but those are you those talking about brows,
2: her, her pencil thin those eyebrows pencil yeah. thin eyebrows. She has those Williams. in H two
1: O too. Well, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. what, that's why I bring it up. Um, when she when she removes her glasses and gets contacts halfway through the movie, I was just like, "Ooh, you can really tell those brows are uh, those are they're period, not not seventies. Mm-hmm. They're period from when the movie was made." period now um so yeah let's get we should get into a little bit of of what's going on um in this movie because it's really cute just uh the the two of them are so likable and it's just i mean kirsten did her share of teen comedies Mm -hmm. you know she's no stranger to just like comedic work um great dramatic actress in her own right but but good at, at comedies but michelle williams just she hasn't revisited comedy
2: not quite like this. Not quite like anything. Yeah, she's not well, a comedy girl. Well now she's like Meryl Streep. Now that's what I'm saying. Yeah, she's not like, a comedy girl. What four Oscars. What was the last light-hearted Michelle Williams movie she's done? Four Oscar nominations later. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I don't know. That. That like hilarious one where she was like homeless with her dog.
2: That hysterical Blue Valentine. Yeah. Uh yeah, I uh, really love Blue Valentine. So, but okay. I think she's really funny in this,
1: really cute, and it's just um. I think she's just this kind of actress now that she's just so serious, you know. That it's like I don't know if people would really accept her doing comedies anymore, or maybe she. I like to she's see her, her in more it. comedies. Who knows? Yeah, I would like to see her in more comedies. I love as Michelle well, Williams because the two of them have they have great chemistry together. They play ditzy fifteen year olds like ama- like so funny. They just. Do not have a care in the world. Everything to them is just like, oh, yeah. my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe this. Like, everything, they're just like, what? And they have each other. Yeah. yeah. They're only friends. Yeah. They're the kind of friends that they're each other's only friend. and Everybody thinks they're kind of weirdos or dorks or idiots or whatever. But they don't care. Like, they don't care. They just they have each other. They have Bobby Sherman. And eventually they have Dick.
2: Did you ever write a fan letter to a celebrity when you're a teenager? No, I never wrote a fan letter to anyone. I did. I think I told you this last night. It was to Alison Hannigan from Buffy the Vampire oh, Slayer. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, it, w- it wasn't to win a date with her. Did you get? <laughs> did you get a form letter back? I did get a. I did get a reply back. It oh. was from the WB, mm. from their uh, fan letter department at the sure. WB at the time. But Cute. I got a a picture of the entire season forecast. Back. Wow. Yep. That's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's cool. Yeah.
1: It's like an eight by ten.
2: Yeah, it's like a little photo. I had it hanging up on my wall.
1: Was it black and white?
2: No, full it was color. Glossy, glossy. It Was color. a glossy colored photo, and the back had photographed autographs by the entire cast.
1: But like copied autographs. But it, was, yeah. it was copied though. And like your mailman didn't like fold it. No, it, it wasn't said like do crease. not fold.
2: Well. <laughs> on the letter,
1: wow, that's cool. I never wrote fan letters, and I just always thought like I always in my head was just like they will never see that. Like if I even if it never occurred to me to do it, but if any time I ever saw someone do it, like on a TV show or in a movie or whatever, I would just be like, that will never get to you know whoever. I always just thought thought in my head that there was this like bureaucracy that would like intercept you know, a fan letter or something like that. But that I was thinking about it when we were just rewatching it, that to do this, to enter this contest in 1974, 74, 22. It opens in 72, 72, in 1972 to enter this Bobby Sherman, win a date with Bobby Sherman contest. She had to write this letter, type it out on a paper and go mail it in the mailbox And she had to, like, sneak out of her mom's house because the mom was, like, drunk, I assume, on the couch. Um, Mother
2: played by Terry Gar.
1: Terry Gar is asleep on the couch. I'm projecting that she's drunk. Um, But, you know, they had to, to go out, get dressed, go downstairs, go to the mailbox, drop it off, and then just wait. Like, now if there was any sort of, like, win a date with, like, whoever, who do the kids like these days? David Hasselhoff. You know, well, to win a date with David Hassoff, you'd still have to throw in the mail. But, I mean, you know, now it's all done online. Yeah. All that stuff is done online, done on Instagram. You know, like our page, hashtag this, you know, send a picture, hashtag this on a picture of yourself, and then you'll be entered to win. But it's like, I remember those days when there would be, like, contests. Yep. I for, remember like, having to
2: write in, ride into Nickelodeon. Yeah. When I was a kid. Yeah. To get on to, like, Double Dare or whatever. Yeah, to send, like, a, a postcard yeah, to this random address in New York City.
1: Yeah. But nowadays, if kids want to win a date with, you know, Joey Lawrence, they've got to, you know, just go on their, their Instagram on the gram.
2: So, when they drop the letter in the mailbox, uh-huh. they uh, discover Harry Shear from The Simpsons. Yes. And... They stumble onto the Watergate, the Watergate break-in. Sure, he's playing G. Gordon Liddy, uh, who or- orchestrated the break-in. And Arlene lives in the acar- in the apartment complex mm-hmm. that was next to Watergate.
1: Yes. Well, it's actually in Watergate. And it's actually yeah. in Watergate. Yeah, yeah, there
2: are apartments in it. Yeah,
1: because the Watergate Hotel is like a giant, like pavilion with like the like hotel rooms and like living, you know. Spaces and all that stuff.
2: Monica Lewinsky lived
1: there.
0: Mm.
1: Oh, Monica. Um, yeah. So they they kind of stumble on like everything that had to do with this entire like scandal. They see the break in very first thing in the movie. Um, they live in DC, you know, uh the Arlene character lives in the Watergate, so that's that's the that was their excuse to to get them out of the of the building and get back in. They were sneaking out, so they had to use the parking garage entrance and they put duct tape on the lock so they could get in from the outside. Security guards saw it, called the cops, and that's when the cops came and arrested all these people for the break in. So that starts off the whole thing. It just like gets all the wheels in motion and then the very next
2: day, I think, the very next day they're taking a tour of the White House with their class. Yes.
1: And um everybody's like bored as shit cuz it's like the White House and they're all teenagers. Um and I just always thought that this this little this little bit I just thought was was Super funny Hold on Where is it Has been confirmed That one of the arrested Was formerly an
0: employee Of the CIA Why are you students Excited About visiting The home of the president And the first family Not uh, really No And after our tour We're having lunch At McDonald's <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love McDonald's so much French so fries French fries <laughs> so
2: I love that. She's like, French fries. French fries. <laughs> to, I mean, I'm excited to go to McDonald's now, but yes. if you were a teenager in the 70s, you would really be fucking excited well, to go to McDonald's. no,
1: just like field yeah. trips. Field Anytime trips. you do a field trip, you're just like, oh, shit. Like, what What are we going to do for lunch? We're going to be out and about. I always remember field trips and just be like, okay, all right, I got lunch money. What are we doing? You know? Um but, you know, my school field trips were, like, to Disneyland, so, you know.
2: Ours weren't that <laughs> exciting. <laughs>
1: that wasn't quite a field trip.
2: That was, like, a big... Ours were to, like, the Greenhouse.
1: I mean, <laughs>
2: I, think we just went, House. I think we just went to museums, mostly. I actually did go to Washington, D.C. in high school, but we did not go to the White House. What did you go for, to D.C. for if you didn't go to the White House? Um, there was some reason why we couldn't get in the White House, oh. I think. I don't think that they were accepting tours that day. Mm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I went with our poli-sci class. Sure. So, um,
1: well, that's cool. I mean, we never, we never did out of state. I never went on any out of state field trips in school, but, um, uh, being in LA, m- most of our field trips were like museums, educational stuff like that. And then our Disneyland stuff was like special, different things. We had to sell candy for that, but uh, okay. So they're on a tour of the White House. The two of them get, oh, they like stumble upon G. Gordon Liddy. They like mm-hmm. see him, and they can't really place him, but uh, they knew that they knew him somewhere. Are you the guy that sells corn dogs at the mall? <laughs> are you that guy that sells corn dogs at the mall? I love it that yeah that you would just be walking through the White House. Um, but he, they think he has toilet paper on his shoe, but it's a list of uh. The committee to reelect the president. The creep list. The creep. Everybody list. on this
2: list must be a bunch of creeps. Yeah, <laughs> has these guys with their name and a bunch of money next to it.
1: Yeah, and Kirsten Dunst is just like, oh, well, souvenir, and she souvenir. like shoves it in, shoves it in uh, Arlene's purse. I love that. Um, but yeah, they get in kind of entangled because they're in there. They see him. They kind of get distracted from their field trip, but they end up getting like intercepted by like White House people.
2: Because they want to question them because they know that they were there. Right,
1: right. Oh, because G. Gordon-Liddy also mm-hmm. recognizes them as well. Yeah. So everybody's just like, what What do they know? What were they doing there? Why were they there for the break-in? So they get kind of pulled aside. And through a series of, you know, shenanigans, they end up uh, getting asked to be the
2: official White House dog walker. And they, and they meet uh, President Nixon, played by Dan... Hidea a very good Richard Nixon too. Yeah, you know I it's feel a like pretty solid performance. Dan Hadera is an interesting
1: choice, and um, he's a you know he's a character actor. You know him, you love him. He plays uh, Cher's dad and Clueless. Uh, you know he's in a ton of eighties movies. Adam's family. He's in Commando. He's in Adam's Family. He Even kind of looks like Richard Nixon too. Well yeah, I think I think that's the mm-hmm. idea, you know. It's that they I don't even think they really did anything to his face. No. I think they just put him in a suit and you know, slicked his hair back and he just did this impression. Um but yeah, I think he's not an obvious choice, but he's he's really really well cast.
2: He's a good comedy choice, but yes. also just a good performance of Richard Nixon in general. Yeah, for too. sure. For sure. I mean, it definitely works for the comedy angle, but it's pretty solid.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's doing the voice, but it's not like... It doesn't feel like he's doing an impression the entire time. Yeah. Like, he's definitely doing the voice and some, and some, you know, phrasing and things like that. It's like, oh, okay. But he's not straight up just doing an impression... Through the whole movie where it gets tired, you know, it's
2: like he's he's doing a character and it's and it's it's really well done and it's funny. So is the idea of making them the official White House dog walkers because they want to keep these girls close to find out what they know? Yeah, I think they want to keep an eye on them. Yeah,
1: they want to keep an eye on them, bring them in. It's like I think off the bat, they're just like they're a couple of idiots. that don't know anything, but just
2: in case. I did He'll a little research by. on Checkers the dog. Sure. So, Checkers didn't actually live in the White House. What? The actual Checkers dog was a dog that Richard Nixon had in the 50s when he was running for vice president the first time. And okay. I guess there's a really famous speech which he name checks Checkers. Okay. So, they just chose to call the dog Checkers that they walk because he's the most famous dog connected to Richard C- to Nixon. Nixon yeah. But the actual dog... That was living in the White House was an Irish setter by the name of tim okay that would that would have been tim. the dog that that Betsy and Arlene would have walked okay
1: and um it's funny just because uh they do end up walking this dog a bunch of times in the movie and to get kind of access to the dog and access to to dick, they uh have to deal with his secretary. Played by Anna Gasteyer, And this woman, Rosemary, Rosemary Woods. Rosemary Woods. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. She's got her own Wikipedia page.
2: Yeah, she's pretty famous. And I think Anna Gasteyer is pretty funny in that performance. She says,
1: Oh, my stars.
2: It's a very Anna Gasteyer performance. I love
1: that she says, Oh, my stars. But yeah, um, it's so interesting. As we were watching it, like you, you pointed her out, and I had forgotten that she very was very well it. cast. Yeah. And I, I looked it up and I was like, Oh, my goodness, this woman. Rosemary Woods, she was just, like, she was, like, his right-hand lady. She was
2: at the center of all of it.
1: Yeah. She was, like, f- like she, right there. She
2: would probably, like, control the tapes mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. Because they find them later in her desk. Yeah,
1: they find the re- the whole recording, like, tape recorder device, like, in her desk drawer. I love it. Yeah, this woman. This woman is. Uh, she's got quite the. She's quite the character. If you if you look her up, and so I. I didn't. You know. I just when you er, earlier mentioned like oh, Anna Gassar, I was like, well, I mean, are there pictures of Nixon's secretary? Like, who cares? But no, she was like a major player in the entire like in his entire uh, uh, administration, but also within within the Watergate scandal itself. She was like a, a major player, which is very interesting. That Nixon had this woman, so so close in his inner circle. Cause uh, he's a, he's a lot of things, but I didn't, I didn't think uh, Richard Nixon would be that uh, much of an equal opportunist with this with his hiring
2: practices. Anyway, so when they keep uh, going back to the White House, when they do find their way back in, because at first they're denied, and then Betsy and Arlene have this plan that they're going to ask dick to stop the war because Betsy's brother gets drafted. Betsy's oh, brother yeah. played by Brian Krakauer from my so-called life.
1: Uh yeah, uh not... as the 70s
2: stoner brother.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, oh my god, I remember Devin Gummersall. And he looks exactly like Brian Krakow Yeah. He's 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 got the Brian Krakow hair. Uh but uh, he's he's definitely playing a different playing a different character. So He's got some range. He always has
2: that quality of your friend's cute brother, <laughs> too.
1: I guess, yeah. I now now my so called life and that character Brian
2: Krakow. Oh my goodness, I I definitely yeah. I have a we lot. have to do the Christmas episode of my so called life in December. I was just thinking that today. And
1: that's a really good episode. Have you um have you seen Mister Devin Gummersall these days?
2: Uh, I think he was on Mad Men. He's, he like, he aged pretty well. Yeah. I, I have to he, say. I remember he looked pretty good on Mad Men. I
1: have to say, he's
2: aged, uh,
1: fairly well. I'm like, all right, Devin Gummersall, you can get it. Not bad. Cause, I mean, Brian Krakow was just such a, like, goofy looking kid. And even in this movie, he's, he's a goofy looking kid. Um, but yeah, he uh he plays her like stoner brother and he gets drafted and it's just like, Oh my god, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. People are fucking getting drafted to go to Vietnam. Yep. Like that's so nuts.
2: Getting drafted to go to Vietnam, and there is a very good chance that you were not coming back. Yeah. To...
1: So yeah, so they're just like, Okay, we're gonna sit down with Dick. We've got like this private audience. And with as the president. they're
2: and as they're doing it, they're baking cookies for the president, which is Hello Dolly's. And I love it. They have the Hello Dolly recipe hanging on the wall. It was like framed. It's of the um, Hello Dolly recipe. It's cross stitched. It's cross stitched on the wall.
1: The the rest, Okay, so apparently Hello Dollies are a kind of a cookie, which I've. I I don't think I've ever had. I would always just know one it from of those. this movie. Yeah, but I they would have some, to. Some they would people. put walnuts in the movie. Shit right there.
2: And there's weed in the in the walnuts. Okay, so the thing is. Because the brother so the keeps his is they're weed in the walnuts. To,
1: they're trying to figure out uh, a way to sit down and talk to the president about stopping the war. And as they're kind of coming up with this plan, they're in their nightgowns and they're walking through the kitchen. And they're in Betsy's house, her parents' house. And Betsy says, let's make them cookies. Let's bake them Hello Dollies. Because they pass this framed cross-stitch of the recipe of of Hello Dolly's, and it says Hello Dolly's, and it's a recipe. She says, "Let's make them Hello Dolly's," and she does this really cute oh, man I love gesture. that gesture.
2: I love that scene, and um, when, she, when she like when she displays the Hello Dolly, yeah, and it's really cute. Cross stitch,
1: and um, and it's just it's very seventies to have like a a cross stitch recipe like mm-hmm. framed on your wall in the kitchen, and so they start making the cookies, and they're just talking about it, and what they're going to say, and la la la, and the recipe for Hello Dolly's. Um, contains walnuts and they get uh, a jar full of walnuts and Arlene's like, what are, what are these leaves in the walnuts? And it's clearly like weed. It's a jar of walnuts with just weed sprinkled in there. And uh, Ar- uh, Betsy's like, oh, my brother said those are just leaves from the, from the walnut tree. Leaves from the walnut tree. So what they do is they make a batch of hello dollies and they cook them or they bake them with these walnuts and these walnuts have just been like soaking in weed this whole time. So they're essentially making pot cookies, right? So part of the, of the conceit of this movie is that they keep taking these cookies to the president and passing them out and everybody is eating the cookies and loving the cookies. And then they're all getting stoned off these hello dollies and The weed is contributing, I think, the idea is that the weed is contributing to Dick being more receptive to what the
2: girls are saying, to people being a little bit more open about speaking in front of them. It's also how they get in the... How they get in the front gates too? Well, yeah. At first, the guards at know that the guards the are like,
1: "Oh fuck, these girls. Who who cares? Get out of here." But then they're like, "Oh, these are the girls with the cookies." And when the next time they come, they're like, "Oh fuck, did you bring those cookies?" And they're like, "Yeah, of course we did." And they're like, "Oh shit, yeah, come in, come in, come in." So everybody's passing around. The thing is, in this movie, people take one bite of a Hello Dolly and immediately are just
2: fucking laced m- out of there. Their must mind. be a lot of we in those cookies.
1: So, I, that's just, I mean, we don't have the like 45 minutes it takes in between eating an edible cuz I mean edibles are a lot of things but they're not fast. Um and we all have that story of like this edible ain't doing shit. I'm going to have another one and then like an hour later you just are like about to jump off of a roof.
2: They're getting the Nixon administration high as a kite. Yeah, so the idea is they and they saw they, sol- they make world peace with the Russians. And it ends with all of them singing Hello Dolly. Yes. Um it's uh
1: it's Nixon and who the hell is uh
2: Nixon meeting with? It's Nixon and Kissinger.
1: Well Kissinger's is yeah, but it's um the Russian guy. It's Brezhnev. Yeah, it's Nixon and Brezhnev. Uh, and he gets the Moscow Summit of 1972, yeah. And he keeps and, he, and Nixon keeps calling him Leonid. Come on, Leonid. And like he gives him a cookie. You gotta try one of these cookies. Come on, Leonid. And like he eats a cookie. And and he's just like, oh, hello, Dolly. And he's just like, he starts singing Hello, Dolly, hello, and Kissinger singing Hello, Dolly, and and uh, yeah. So so. They got Leonid Brezhnev stoned on these like weed cookies. And that led to the uh, the Moscow summit being uh, a resounding success. Uh, but as we all know, uh, those cookies would not have had the immediate effect that they had on Brezhnev. He literally takes a bite of the cookie and he's just like, well, hello, Dolly. Hello, comrades. But yeah, I would have taken a little bit more time than that. But we didn't have that kind of time in a movie. But yeah, so the Hello Dolly's are a big plot point. And uh, well, oh, when later on at the end of the movie, when when everything kind of becomes clear to everyone, Brian Krakow was like, ah, oh, maybe that's why he's so paranoid. Because <laughs> that's one of the things about Nixon is that he was just like super paranoid. And that's why he had like recording devices everywhere. But he just like inadvertently became a huge stoner.
2: And he was just the type that got paranoid. So during all of this, Arlene starts to develop a very serious crush on crush on Richard Nixon. Yeah, she does, and uh, she has her little scrapbook. Yeah, she puts her face on Pat Nixon's head, <laughs> and uh, she takes down all of her Bobby Sherman pictures and she replaces it with pictures of Dick. Yeah, she's got huge, around them. A huge collage on her doodling wall. in her journal, Mrs. 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 Arlene, Arlene Nixon. Nixon. Yeah. And And there is a dream sequence that I fucking love. Yeah. And it's just so funny because it opens with Richard on a beach horseback because what more of an opposite person of a teenage girl to have a crush on than Richard Nixon. That's so funny. Yeah. And just this girly dream with them waltzing on the beach. He's making her a sandcastle and it's the White House. But it's the White House. Yeah. Um, You should play that. That clip of him first writing up.
0: (laughs) Arlene, come away with me. But what about Pat? She understands.
2: Like, I love that she un- she understands. Lovers' theme playing, and they're doing that thing where they're spinning around. Yeah, sp- and it, and it starts to go fasting. They're doing the faster. Jack and the
1: Jack and Rose Titanic uh, spin,
2: and they and they start to laugh. Yeah, but that's just so funny, and that's just the really smart timing that this movie has. It doesn't have to rely on gross out humor. It's just really, just very precise and witty jokes in it. Yeah. And Just well, kind of like what teenage girl would fantasize about being swept away by Richard Nixon.
1: Yeah, and I was going to say these two have a very almost like a Romeo and Michelle type of relationship oh, definitely. because they're very kind of innocent with each other. Um, Betsy never really questions it. Like you're into t- you're into. T- She's Dick? Dick? Like you're into Richard Nixon Like the president That oily gross Old fucking He's like 60 And we're 15 That's her friend She's into it She's like alright There's one point where they're Walking Checkers And they're like Oh They must never They,
2: they must, must never take him out never take him
1: out Will you look at that shit <laughs> Yeah, look at that shit. Oops. Ooh, yeah. And she's like, "Oops." And she says, "Shit." They're just like, "Ooh," and they just love, think it's so funny that she cursed.
2: I also love that scene, kind of talking about them as friends in their own little world when they get back on the bus late, mm-hmm. and everyone's like giving them the stink eye. Well, and they get the why are they? Why is everybody giving them the stink eye? Because they can't. Because they can't go to McDonald's. Yeah, they but were I love, so
1: late that they didn't get to go to McDonald's. But I
2: love they just sort of walked to their seat. And then just shrug it off and laugh. Yeah. Like, they do not give a shit.
1: They're walking down the bus, the Walk of Shame, because... And now they have to go straight back to school and eat gross cafeteria lunch. All the other buses are stopping at McDonald's, except them. And everybody's, like, flipping them off and just, like... But hiding their, like, middle finger with their other hand. And they're just, like, looking all, like, oh, sorry. And then they get to the seat and they just start laughing. They're just like, fuck these idiots. Um... There's one. There's I I did say that that Betsy doesn't question uh, Arlene loving Dick, but there's that one scene, and, and this is w- one moment where I mean the whole the name of the movie's Dick. Dick is said so many times, but it's never really played that much for like gross out humor. But there, but there is um this is this is done a couple of times. <laughs>
0: Your best and only friend. I don't know what you're talking about. Just say it. Say what? Just say it because I already know. But oh I love Dick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Dick. And then you what? You can't let
2: one? Dick control your life. Yeah.
1: And so they do it a couple times I where love, they where they refer to him for the as second Dick in public. Scene
2: where. Kirsten Dunst was like, "Do you guys mind? We're having like a private conversation here." Yeah.
1: that's when she says you can't let dick control your
2: life and everybody's just like, "What?" Yeah. "Do you guys mind?" <laughs> <laughs> so their um bubble is eventually burst is or kind of everything changes when they stumble onto the tapes. Sure. They they
1: go to wa- they go to walk checkers uh one last time and um his leash gets stuck in a drawer and they open the drawer and it's this recording device and um they're like oh okay cool
2: like we should we should record a message for Dick and and Betsy's like I think it's time yeah you have to tell him how you feel yeah so Arlene
1: like leaves this long and drawn out message which is 18 and a half minutes long, mm-hmm. which is the length of missing Watergate tapes. There's a length of tape that was erased. And, like, to this day, there's, like, nobody knows what was on it. Nobody's ever said, like, I did it. You know, it was just, like, this mysterious bit of tape that was erased.
2: I think they speculate that it was on Vietnam.
1: Mm-hmm. And it was 18 and a half minutes long. And so here we are. Here's our explanation. It was actually... Arlene professing her love.
2: A fifteen year old yeah. professing her love for Richard Nixon. For Richard Nixon. Did you have a clip of of how they start that?
1: Uh I do. Here uh here we go. I believe it's this one.
0: If you care for him at all, you'll tell him. Okay, you just have to go first. This is Betsy Arlene. We just wanted to thank you for letting us be your secret youth advisors. And for, um, letting us walk checkers. And for... Um, well, I don't know what else for, so here's Arlene. She has something very personal to tell you. I love you. I love you. Um... I know that you have a lot of things on your mind because you're the president and all. Um, but I can't keep my feelings inside any longer. I've never felt this way about anybody before, not even Bobby Sherman, who I completely and totally adored, but now I realize that that was just puppy love and that this is the real thing. Oh, my goodness. And I realize that you're married and that we can never really be together, but... I'll love you forever. Good, good boy. And, um, there's this song by Olivia Newton-John that I think best describes the way I feel about you. It goes like this. I love you. I honestly love you. You don't have to answer.
2: So <laughs> I love that little bit of business Kirsten has in the background talking to the dog. She's like, during like, this. take a poo-poo? And I love just how Michelle, just like she, she has to take a deep breath. <gasps> all right, I'm going to let it all out. <laughs>
1: and that's I Honestly Love You by Olivia
2: Newton-John. I did look it up, at, and the song came out in 74, because I was wondering, when did that song come out? Was it around the time? And right. Yes, it okay. was. Around it was in, in 1974,
1: but doesn't the movie takes place in 72 though? Doesn't?
2: Well, I think the timeline is a little liberal because I don't think Nixon resigns until 74. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's not really
1: sp- super explicit as to how much time does pass. Mm-hmm. They're just in high school. That's kind of not really the point. So, um, yeah. So that little bit uh, of them, so the recording and then she's like okay i just want to make sure like it got, it, you know it got it and she like rewinds it and as she rewinds it she went goes past what she recorded and starts hearing what's actually on the tapes and that's when she's just like oh fuck like that's when they start finding out that he's not you know the man that they thought he was and um you're
2: prejudiced you kick checkers and you have a potty mouth <laughs>
1: Yeah, and they find out that he's got files on them, and like, you know that he tells,
2: he tells checkers in the tape that they're that he's going to feed him with the Chinese. <laughs>
1: That's rude. Mm-hmm. See, he's prejudiced. Um, yeah. So they find out that he's, you know, he's he's gross, and he's he's Richard Nixon, he's tricky dick, and then and they're over it. You know, they're just like, fuck this. We are going to, you know, do whatever we can to take him down. From the inside, because they've got information, and they like hatch the scheme, I don't know how well they...
2: it's funny how they get connected to Woodward and Bernstein because they're making prank phone calls yeah they're they kind of stop everything when they're having a sleepover and are just like prank phone call time, yeah, and they end up calling up their office mm-hmm. and they start reading out a, they kind of they start reading out the creep list. Yeah. Did you know that I read on IMDb in the trivia when she is giving her British ambassador voice that that's a thinly veiled reference to um, Carl Bernstein's affair that he had with the daughter of a British ambassador? Oh. Yeah. So that's just just a little like Easter egg in the script.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. I so, thought
2: that was clever when I read that.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, okay, yeah, They. I guess they just randomly stumbled across Woodward and Bernstein. Well, because
2: their parents are talking about them, because they're watching the Watergate coverage.
1: Oh. Yeah,
2: and the mom was saying about Woodward and Bernstein, like, how dare they attack the president. It's so these, then they, it's specifically, and decided and to, so they yeah. specifically
1: decided they're to, so they specifically decided to prank call because the the Washington Post. And they're the
2: muckraking bastards that Nixon was referencing. Oh, okay, I didn't get that. On the tapes. When you, when, okay.
1: Alright, now yeah. it's all now it's all making so sense. So they got
2: them from the tapes.
1: Sure. So uh so that's how they get set up with Woodward and Bernstein. It wasn't so random. Um and uh it it turns out the the whole I the biggest idea of this movie is that they turn out to be deep throat. And the reason that they decide to call themselves that is because uh Betsy's brother just got busted by their parents uh, he said he was going to, I forgot what he said he was going to be doing, but he's like, he went to a porno movie. And Arlene was like, I don't understand the title. And Betsy leans over and whispers into her ear what Deep Throat actually means. And they're grossed out by it. But I yeah, love that when scene
2: of them, I love that scene of them laughing out the window sure. while Crocodile Rock is playing. Yeah.
1: Um, good soundtrack to this movie, lots of lots of good 70s songs. It's uh almost the exact same soundtrack to Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome right? Mix. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of awesome mix on on there, but I guess Peter Quill's mom would be about their age. Mhm. Um in the timeline of of Guardians of the Galaxy, so that would be that would be the music from when she was a teenager, so that's why that's why Awesome Mix is all the same music from the soundtrack. But um, yeah, they uh, that's why that's why they call themselves Deep Throat because they were like it was so hilarious earlier in the very same evening, and uh, yeah, they turn out to be they turn out to be the um, the informants.
2: I love that when they meet uh, Woodward and Bernstein in the parking garage. I mm-hmm. love what they're wearing. This is their uh, this is their spy looks. Oh, they're wearing trench coats. They're in right. trench coats, hats, and and big glasses. Yeah, because they're like. Well, that's what you the wear. Spies. That's what you yep. wear to
1: a clandestine mm-hmm. parking garage meeting. You wear like a bucket hat and sunglasses and a, and a trench coat. And I assume if you're on the East Coast, you probably have a trench coat. Mm-hmm. A top coat. Rains a lot.
2: Of some, of some kind. I love their raincoats when they're being trailed.
1: Those are bathrobes.
2: By the White House. But um, no, they were like. Uh, oh, they put on like plastic They raincoats. put on like plastic yeah. raincoats. Yeah, that's true. Like a
1: pink and a blue one, mm-hmm. yeah, also very Roman Michelle he's like it's like corresponding colors, um, yeah, they eventually start getting tailed by the White House, their houses are bugged, um you know, they the White House plants like a fake boyfriend for 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 mm-hmm. Terry Gar to get distracted so he can keep tabs on Arlene. You know, they almost get run off the road by like this government like this spy van. You know, it's all very like cloak and
2: dagger. I love their the big end. I love their big moment that they're not going to be pushed around. And Arlene says four score and seven years ago our fathers did something. I don't know what. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz she's just like,
1: "Oh, they're treating us like bunch of teenagers but we are 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 teenagers and she's like yeah but we're americans you know and then she starts (laughs) trying to recite the gettysburg address but (laughs) doesn't quite remember it and it's very it's very charming and it's very sweet of just like these two characters are just like yeah we don't deserve this shit
2: but I, and i also like that betsy and arlene are themselves proud americans and they feel like it's their civic duty to to take down the yeah. to take down these people in the white house because he's lying mhm
1: you know he's lying he's lying to everybody and he's mean you know and um they use their powers for good to to get nixon to pull the troops out of vietnam and to uh to get the the russian you know peace meeting but now that you know he's still doing some bad shit, they're like, "All right,
2: enough's enough." They have to go get the tapes to give to Woodward and Bernstein at uh, the house of James Foley. Yes, Haldeman. Haldeman. I love their hippie looks when they go to the house too. Yeah, because towards the end of the movie, they dress them more like hippies. Did you notice that? Yeah, definitely. It's less kind of, kind of junior. Little miss Junior clothes, and they're mm-hmm. going for more of a mm-hmm. of like a late sixties hippie,
1: well, I think because the timeline is mm-hmm. passing you know it is yeah. it has been two years now, so maybe now they're seventeen by the end of the movie because it starts off and they're fifteen, so maybe now, after all this stuff is going on they're they're growing up and they're coming into more of like an identity, and that is kind of a counterculture.
2: So they they find a really cute boy washing a car outside of um
1: Well yeah, they go to Haldeman's house, Haldeman's they get house. his address, they go to his house and they're like how are we going to get in? And there's uh, a a teenage boy washing a car and they're like, "All right, that's his kid. Let's do this." And it's Ryan Reynolds.
2: Yeah, it's Ryan Reynolds. The very early Ryan Reynolds movie, too. I can't think of anything that he would have done prior to this.
1: Um a little show called 15
2: yeah, but he hadn't done a lot of movies and I was reading that he was brought in by casting very late, I think as they were filming uh-huh. and he wasn't even auditioned. The cast, the casting person was just like, "Yeah, you'll really like him. Don't even question it. Yeah. Just just put him in the movie." Yeah. I was also reading that um Kirsten Dunst was cast without even auditioning.
1: Well, I think at that yeah. point they were like, "Okay, let's bring in this girl." Mhm.
2: She, since she was so kind of all over the place. I really love when um, Kirsten's going to go seduce him upstairs or kind of use it as a distraction so Arlene can go find the tapes. Yeah. And I love that when things start to get a little heated, like when they're making out. Yeah. And then she excuses herself in the bathroom, and I really love the moment with Kirsten when she's collecting herself in the mirror. Yeah. I love that little bit of acting when she's kind of... She's like, oh man, this is actually happening because we don't know if this is uh, Betsy's first time. Yeah, these with a are guy. like these
1: are like innocent girls. Yeah, but and
2: so she's just like, all right, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna go in there. Kind of get this as a big moment for her. She has to talk herself too. into it because mm-hmm. she
1: tells him like, do you want to make out? And he's like, all right, that's kind of all. She she doesn't really have a plan. She's just like, do you want to make out? And he's like, okay. So they go upstairs, and she's like, all right now i I got to fucking make out with this dude so Arlene can come in and case the joint.
2: But I like that her character is kind of excited about it. Yeah. Because it's something new that she hadn't has ever done before. Yeah. Too. Yeah. But yeah, I just like that little bit in the mirror when she's fixing her hair. Yeah, it's
1: cute. Um, So they eventually steal, get the tapes, steal the tapes, get the tapes to Woodward and Bernstein. That's when, that's when, uh, Betsy is like, I you know, transcribed everything on it, and handed it over. Because I guess one of them has, like, doubts about taking the tapes because they're stolen. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. I
1: guess, like, maybe...
2: I guess it would be safer with a transcript. Yeah. So,
1: but she has a transcript because she passed typing, finally. 30 words a minute. And, you know, it gets published, and everybody gets taken down. I
2: love how this scene is cut to... Um... That song by Yes. Sure. I always really like the choice of that music yeah. as it's playing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really good. Um, that song about chess. It's not about chess. He says something about capturing the Queen. So.
2: I've seen all the good people, right?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the name of it, but that one. You know it. It's from the 70s. Um, yeah, and then later on after, after Dick eventually resigns and leaves the White House, that's all cut to your Sylvain. Yeah,
2: and I was reading an interview with Andrew Fleming that they had wanted Love Will Keep Us Together by Captain and Tennille, and Captain and Tennille said no. Because they objected to a lot of the content in the movie.
1: Aren't they like Republicans or something?
2: Yeah, they're super conservative. I was going to they, say they're problematic, they didn't, I think. And they didn't like the movie. So they put, as a placeholder, you're so vain, and it just cut together perfectly. Yeah, cut really well. Yeah. And they ended up getting the rights to this Carly Simon song. Yeah. And I don't know when I was like 14 watching this if uh-huh. I had was super familiar with Carly Simon. But this sequence really made me love this song, though. Yeah. Because of how it's used in the movie. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're cutting up the American flag. And she's like... Isn't that illegal? Isn't that illegal? Well, not if you sew it back together. <laughs> they make themselves these cute... American f- flag hippie looks and they're yeah. painting a sign that says you suck Dick to display as Dick is flying off in his helicopter. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, they live in uh, our Betsy's parents live in Georgetown. So they assume, you know, they're going to be in the flight path of that of that helicopter. And the, and they are. And it says you suck, Dick, but there is an appropriate comma. So as written, mm-hmm. it says you suck, Dick. So it's uh they're not that dumb that it that it just says you suck dick but it's still it's still a clever little joke. And yeah, they kind of they came to their senses, they realized Richard Nixon was acting like a piece of shit. They called him on it, and they took him down from the inside. And just the power of friendship.
2: Yeah, this movie is What I think is super clever about it is that it challenged the norm at the time of what a teen movie was, because we're just coming off of stuff like Can't Hardly Wait, Ten Things I Hate About You, Uh, and this movie kind of, it kind of came out of nowhere. It's surprising that it even got made, too. Why is that? To do this teen movie about politics and politics in the Nixon Nixon administration. Uh And just sort of, how do you sell that at the time? Because they want for a teenage girl audience, and what teenagers care about any of that? Mm -hmm. And it's why it didn't do so well at the box office, but even at the time, it got really good reviews. And I was reading that Sony was looking at the reviews and they said to the director, this is one of the best reviewed movies we've had in years. Uh-huh. So it's kind of, I mean, while I'm sure Andrew Fleming was kind of bummed that it didn't make a lot of money, it's something that he was very proud of, too. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's
1: not typical subject matter for teen movies, and that was an era that there were just tons of teen movies, teen mm-hmm. sex comedies, teen horror movies, um mainstream, you know, theatrical release teen movies. This was the
2: summer of 99, and also American Pie had just come out, too, which mm-hmm. brought back the yeah, raunchy movie of, genre from the 80s, too.
1: Yeah, American Pie was kind of uh, the first in the wave of, of these teen sex comedies. Um, and uh, But, yeah, I feel like this was uh, just kind of its own thing. It was still funny, uh In its own way, but it had a lot of those, like I said, Saturday Night Live and Kids in the Hall, uh, people behind it. So it just had a little bit more of a pedigree, I guess, um, than your standard
2: teen comedy fare. Also, watching 20 years later with our current president, it's very eerie to see how it matches up with the Trump administration. Yeah, well, because it seems that we're still we're we're kind of living in a very similar moment in American history. And I think it's kind of cool that these writers, the writer and director, could sort of do a revisionist take on it. And it makes me think in 20 years, will we have a similar movie made about the Trump administration? Sure. Do you kind of get that?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, I think the less said about politics right well, now, I mean, the better, but yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to
2: totally like, like make this like political at all, but I think it's a very interesting movie to go back and, no, of course, yeah, of course. and uh, yeah. look at our current. Yeah. I politics. was thinking that the whole yeah.
1: time, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean just this, I think this movie speaks to, speaks to the gays just because it has that great female friendship. Um. They, they're they talking about a guy in a romantic way, but it's Richard Nixon, so it's not really like, you know, they're not really... The romance is not driving these two characters. They it's, play it for laughs. Yeah, too. yeah, and and these two really have uh, a, a strong relationship. There's never really a conflict between them, nothing really...
2: They don't get broken up by a... Their friendship doesn't get... Broken up by a boy.
1: Too. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's, they don't get. Uh, the stakes are not okay. Well, they're not going to be friends because, you know, X, Y, Z. One of them gets gets a relationship. One of them is jealous. One of them, whatever. They start out friends. They remain friends, and their friendship is what helps them bring down a corrupt president you know yeah and it's so
2: and it's so satisfying to see all of these guys get their ass handed to them by these yeah, two girls by too. two
1: girls yeah and they're and they're they're funny they're charming these two actresses are amazing in it these these performances stand up today and they're just super cute and you know it's it's uh it's a it's a very charming movie and if uh i i definitely recommend watching this movie um if uh, if if you can get your hands on it, it have up. Seen it, definitely holds up, and uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. Any uh, anything we we didn't miss? Any final thoughts on on Dick from nineteen ninety nine and how much we love Dick? What can I say? I just love <laughs> Dick. <laughs> yeah, it's got a great soundtrack. It's got a great. Uh, Great costuming, very much feels like like a movie from that period. There's some really fun stuff on on the television with commercials from the era and TV shows that people just have on.
2: Definitely a love letter to the 1970s. Yeah,
1: for sure, for sure. You can really tell that it was made by people who grew up in this time frame. Um, just a, including a lot of little bits about furniture and and just, you know...
2: There is Michelle doing her, uh, Michelle Williams doing her exercises to yeah. increase
1: her bust. She must increase her bust. Yeah. That I love was that. Very, very topical of the time. But yeah, yeah, very charming movie. I, de- I definitely recommend it. And I think it, it really falls into this category of, of these, of these strong, you know, women and these female bonds and things that, things that we, we definitely latch on to. And if you're a fan of Romeo and Michelle and Clueless and, you know, uh, these great female friendships definitely definitely are gonna uh have a have an attachment to this movie so thumbs up for me yeah (laughs) that's good check it out yeah definitely go check it out um did we wrap this one up i think i think we're done we got it i think we got it wow good job good job scott um join us next week we'll be back again thanks for listening everybody Um, You can find us
2: on social media. Where are we on Instagram and Facebook, Scott? We're on Facebook at Movies That Made Us Gay. Instagram, the same. And help me out with the Twitter handle. It is... M-T... M-T...
1: M-U-G... M-U-G... Pod. Pod. We're going to get it. M-T-M-U-G... Pod. We're going to get it one of these times. That's our Twitter handle. Give us a message we yeah. love to hear shout out any to us on, on Instagram. Uh we love you guys commenting on all of our Instagram posts. Listen to the show. Recommend it to your friends. Uh and more importantly, give us five stars. Give us five stars. Subscribe on iTunes and give us five stars. That makes us visible mm-hmm. to everyone and, and it just helps us out. It's free and um yeah. Don't forget to leave us a message. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.